Book of Numbers, chapter 2, verse 34. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen when they're there. Good to see the Keyflet family with us. Good to have Hattie in the house. Praise God. All right. Praise God. Amen. Book of Numbers, chapter 2, verse number 34. It says, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they pitched by their standards. And so they set forward everyone after their families according to the house of their fathers. Now, you'll remember that uh, last week we talked about uh, the first verse, the first two verses of Numbers, which sound just like this last verse. But what we're reading in the first verse is God telling them to do it. And then in this last verse, we're reading that they did it. Praise God. But I'm going to be talking to you in particular about a certain subject. And if I could give this, uh, this night's teaching a, a title, it would be the center must hold. The center must hold. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I need your touch tonight. I need your grace and your mercy to come over me and enable me to preach to this wonderful body. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch me tonight to minister to everyone here and at home. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week we preached about the Israelites' encampment around the tabernacle. We learned that each tribe assembled under their ancestral flag and faced the tabernacle. Tonight, I want to preach to you on a few important facts about why the camp was arranged in this method. As we learned in our study of the tabernacle, the tabernacle was the literal center of all Israelite activity. It was the house of God and their center of worship. So much so that even the writers of the New Testament referred to the tabernacle and everything that went on around it as the church in the wilderness. And by calling it a church, the New Testament writers are reminding modern readers that we as a church should observe this arrangement and learn about God's attitude regarding our relationship with our local assembly. And so tonight we're going to look at the way they arranged themselves around the tabernacle. The Levites were the priests of Israel. They were the ones whose entire lives were dedicated to the service of God and to the tabernacle. They camped directly outside the tab tabernacle and were the closest to it. But they also stood in between the Israelites and the presence of God. And to be more precise, they stood between the Israelites and the wrath of God. They acted as a buffer between God and his people. And if you were to look at this in a deeper sense, you would see that God's presence, if it were ever to move out and through the camp, it would first pass through the lives of humans that are doing all they could to serve God. If God were ever to become upset with his people and begin to move through the camp, as the Bible says, the first thing it would confront are priests, people that are holy and entirely dedicated to the service of God. And what we learn from this is that devotion to God energizes mercy. I want you to stop and consider the following. 
In Genesis 6 and 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The whole world may have not been spared, but enough people were spared in the days of Noah to bring about a new world. And it was through their devotion, not only their devotion to God, but their devotion to building the ark, and then their devotion to staying in the ark. Amen. That Noah and his family compelled God to declare in Genesis 9 and 15, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. When God found devoted people, it mobilized and energized him to have mercy on all people. The first thing, amen, that God saw was a devoted man, and it made him have mercy. Amen. We can take another example from the book of Genesis 18 and 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Then verse 19 says, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. In other words, God is saying, I will have mercy because I know that this man is devoted. And we know that for a period and time, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were spared. And even Abraham's nephew and his family were spared. But first, there had to be somebody that was devoted. The Israelites countless times probably would have been judged severely by God for all their game playing. But when God moved through the camp, he found devoted men and it compelled him to have mercy. I want to preach to you just for a few seconds very quickly that you have to be devoted, folks. Amen. Because your devotion will compel God to have mercy on your family. It is our devotion, amen, that will compel God God to have mercy on our unsaved parents, on our unsaved siblings, on our wayward children. Praise God. I'm telling you it's important that when God begins to move throughout our camps, that he finds at least one group of people that ain't playing games. That he finds at least one group of people that will order their entire family after his judgments and his commandments and to do justice. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm alone tonight when I say I want to be devoted Amen. Not just for my sake and not just for the sake of my wife and my children, but I want to be devoted for the sake of all my family members that don't know God. Amen. I want when they get themselves in trouble, I want God to hear this devoted man praying. Amen. When they get themselves in trouble, you want to be that devoted woman praying. Amen. When your brother, when your sister, when your mother, when your uncle, when your cousin, amen, is in a mess, praise God, and you get the phone call. Amen. You want to be that devoted person that has amen a uh, that has room with God to talk to convince him amen to spare lives to have mercy to save souls praise God I'm telling you it's important to be a devoted people amen when Jesus comes back he's going to be looking for devoted folk amen even he said will the son of man find faith in the earth uh, God's always looking for devoted people to stop him from doing amen to convince him from taking another route amen to stop him from doing what he would be right and justified in doing. Praise God. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. But around the Levites, there were the Israelites. The Israelites were organized in a unique way. The way in which they encamped around the tabernacle 
only made sense to them. An outsider observing their arrangement would not be impressed, let alone make sense of it. But there was an order. God is a God of order. Even if that order doesn't satisfy human criteria. God orders things according to his wisdom, not ours. God's arrangements did not place the largest tribes closest to the tabernacle. Size and status did not determine proximity. Just because you had more folks in your camp, just because you may have possessed more wealth in your camp, did not mean that you got closer to the tabernacle. Neither did he place larger tribes on the outward perimeter for the greatest amount of protection, because God doesn't need protection. Ironically, Benjamin, the second smallest tribe, was on the outer perimeter. A careful observation reveals that the camp was set up according to the order that the tribe's ancestors were born to the patriarch Jacob. To many, this would almost seem like an overly simplistic and elementary form of organization. But the message here is that God protects us, not we him. Little Benjamin on the outside and closest to invading armies doesn't need to be afraid. God is with them. Judah, with his massive families and military might, need not trust in its numbers and force, but in its devotion to God. There is a secondary meaning here as well. The order and function of the Christian life is not intended to make sense to onlookers. Even in the early church, it wasn't uncommon for the social order to be turned upside down. Amen. A person who was a slave could be a deacon in their local church. And if those slaves won their masters to God, which they often did, the master would have to be submitted to the slave. Some complied gladly. Others walked away sadly. What happens in church will often not satisfy human expectations. Being in church demands that we know when it's time to leave the outside world behind. Amen. We're not organizing and we're not functioning here in a way that would please the world. Amen. Then you have to know when it's time to leave the world out there. Praise God. Because worldly ways don't always work here. And people are not always advanced here based on their degree or their lack of education. People are not always advanced here, amen, based on worldly criteria. It is God who raises up one person and raises up another. Praise God. Amen. Somebody help me preach right now. Amen. You, I'm telling you, 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 if you come in here with a worldly attitude and a worldly mindset, you might, it's, it's no different than having a map of Mexico while you're traveling in Tokyo. It's not going to do you any good God's not out to impress people God's not out to satisfy amen human ways praise God God is going to do things his way praise God and his ways are the best ways praise God and I'm going to just tell you something about God's ways praise God they often amen will capitalize on our weaknesses in other words it's not uncommon for God to put us somewhere where we're just not that strong amen knowing that we will lean on him and trust in him amen to help us get the job done hallelujah Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. But now we arrive at the heart of tonight's message. First of all, you will notice that in Numbers chapter 2, the Israelites are told to assemble themselves in military regiments. The reason for this is because the tabernacle was to be defended. Not because it needed defending. Because God does not need to be defended. 
but because Israel needed something worth defending. What a nation defends signals to everyone what that nation cherishes and values more than anything. God refused to let them be passionless, indifferent, and lukewarm. He insisted that they be passionate about his presence in their lives and defend it with all their lives. They were no longer a traveling mob. They were no longer just a nebulous of slaves. They were now a civilization and a nation. And the worst thing that can ever happen to any people is not for them to come under attack, but for them to be unconcerned, uncaring, and casual about being attacked. Amen. If invaders came to overthrow Israel, they would have to wade through swarms of Israelites to get to the tabernacle. By being at the center of the camp, the message to everyone, invader and Israelite, was simple. We will fight with everything in us before you take that which means everything to us. And I want to preach to you tonight that it's time for us to fight with everything in us for that which means everything to us. And I don't think I'm alone tonight when I say that this church stuff means everything to me. This Bible stuff means everything to me. This preaching stuff means everything to me. This worship stuff means everything to me. This jumping around the church means everything to me. This holiness in my children and in me means everything to me. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you right now, amen, we need to get in a fight mode. Praise God. We need to defend that which is most precious to us. We need to defend that which got us off drugs, out of depression, got us a job, got us educated. We need to defend that which kept our marriage together when it was falling apart. We need to defend that that got us out of the hospital and out of the jail cell. We need to defend that, amen, which has meant everything to us since the day it visited us. And the that that I'm talking about is God. And the that that I'm talking about is church. And the that that I'm talking about is the Bible and the that that I'm talking about is holy living and the that that I'm talking about is this Pentecostal way of worship hallelujah come on somebody amen hallelujah I want to preach to you tonight about what it means to have Jesus at the center for far too long we've looked at this statement as a term of endearment to God at worst we've seen it as our favorite worship song at best we've seen it as a casual reminder to remember God in our daily activities but that doesn't even scratch the surface of what it means to have God at the center of your life. To have Jesus at the center of your life means that you vigilantly defend against anything and everything that tries to push him out of the center of your life. I'm preaching to you tonight that the center must hold. Praise God. You can't let anything attack what is central. Amen. To your joy, to your peace, to your happiness, to your mental health. You can't let anything push Jesus out of the center of your life. It doesn't matter if the pushing is being done by you. It doesn't matter if the pushing's being done by family. It doesn't matter if the pushing's being done by friends. And it's sure enough don't matter if the pushing is being done by this world. We cannot allow it. We must passionately defend our walk with God. We must passionately defend, amen, Jesus in his relationship. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, 
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not careful, all kinds of stuff. Amen. Can get to attacking the center. Praise God. And take it apart. Praise God. And if the center doesn't hold, amen, the army falls apart. Praise God. It's the center that has to stay intact. It's the center that has to stay in the center. Praise God. I'm telling you, you can't even let coming to church, amen, attack the center. Amen. You can't even let religiosity get a hold of you. Praise God. Because before you know it, you'll be singing songs and not meaning a word you say in the center. Amen. Will come undone. You you can't you can't you can't even let church folk amen amen hallelujah let the center unfold on you praise God because if they do you will lose out uh, and you will lose that which is most precious to you praise God you got to defend you got to protect you got to come on somebody you can't be a coward amen you can't be limp-wristed and soft praise God you got to be ferocious and fervent hallelujah vivacious and strong you got to be of good courage hallelujah Oh, let's praise him for a few seconds. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the center holding right now. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and pray. If I had the Holy Ghost, I'd be speaking in tongues right now. Woo! Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you let your Christianity fall victim to the voices that say there's no reason for it to be at the center, you are surrendering to the opinions that want Jesus to go away because the consequences of not being saved are grim. Let me tell you something about making Jesus go away. Let me tell you something about taking Jesus away. Making him or taking him away does not widen the narrow path that leads to heaven. Oh, a lot of people think if I just make Jesus go away, everyone gets into heaven. I'm telling you right now, you can push Jesus away, you can make Jesus away, and hell's still hot, and heaven's still real. And it's still narrow, and it's still a straight path. Amen, and going to hell is still easy. Somebody say praise God. I'll tell you what we should be terrified of tonight, is giving permission to anyone, including ourselves, to push Jesus out from the center. You know, it's too easy to tell ourselves that we already know what we believe and that we stand by our convictions. The truth of the matter is that convictions are not sifted out in times of peace and tranquility, but in times of turmoil, testing, and trying. Church, we're living in such times. 
We are living in such times. For too, mo- for too long, I assessed those who I labored amongst by how they looked, by what conference they attended, by how many scriptures they could read. But I'm telling you, this pandemic and this global crisis has really revealed what some people believe. All the props of Pentecost are down. The facades have been scratched away. And now the real man and the real woman are left standing. For the first time in probably a hundred years since the Spanish flu, we have all been swept into a current where everything is being tested. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't even matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what race you are. We are all swept away. It's not just our health, our employment, our savings that are under attack. I'm going to tell you what's under attack in the church. Our commitment to keep Jesus at the center is under attack. Whether you believe it's intentional or unintentional makes no difference. Keeping Jesus at the center of everything we do is what's under attack as far as we are concerned. And it is so sad that once quarantine is done and lockdowns are over, there are people that will come out less spiritual. We have every excuse to be more spiritual. Amen. We have every excuse to come on. We have every excuse to come out more prayer warriors. We have every excuse to come out more Bible thumpers. We have every excuse to have put away more days of fasting. Hallelujah. We have, I know somebody saying, well, pastor, I've been feeling like I'm going crazy. I have too. Praise God. But I've also known that I can pray. Praise God. Like I can, like I've never been able to pray. Amen. Some of us have not had to step foot inside the office. Some of us have had our rents forgiven, our debts forgiven, our bills forgiven. We have every reason to be a little more spiritual. We have every reason. Come on, somebody. Amen. Some of us, some of us already got COVID and just barely made it out. You have every reason now to be more spiritual. Praise God. Some of us, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to you. Some of you may never get it. Your number may never get called to get vaccinated. You have every right to be more spiritual. Praise God. I'm just telling you right now, this pandemic, along with all the political and ideological powers that have marshaled behind it, have made their way into the camp. I'm telling you right now, there are spirits in the camp. There are politically left spirits in the camp. There are right ultra right wing amen spirits in the camp praise god and all, i don't care if you're talking about amen protesters or QAnon. i'm telling you there's spirits in the camp and they're coming from all sides and they got people acting silly and they got people acting wacky and quacky and they got people losing their minds and they got people forgetting what the bible says and they got people forgetting about what their commitment to jesus christ is i'm telling you right now i don't listen to QAnon or the left i don't listen to right or left amen and i'm, I'm, I'm i don't take my cues for living from god from any political bobblehead analyst Praise God. I take my cues for living for God from God's word. I take my cues from living for God in a prayer room. I take my cues for living for God in fasting. I take my, come on somebody. Hallelujah. We're not here to get caught up on, come on. We are living in the age of the clay feet kingdoms. Praise God. We're living at that bottom rung. Amen. Of, of the statue that Daniel saw in his vision. There's nothing but clay and iron mixed up. The thing, the thing might look like it got a head of gold and a chest of 
silver and thighs of brass and iron, but it ain't as strong as it looks. We're looking at the time of clay feet and amen. And if Daniel's vision is accurate, which we know it is, there's coming a stone that's not cut from any rock, amen, or by any man's hands, amen. And it's going to topple and crumble, amen, those clay feet. And that statue, amen, hallelujah, is coming tumbling down. My friend, you better be on the rock side. I want to be on the side of the stone, not the statue. I want to be on the side of the stone, not the statue. Come on, somebody. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Somebody get on the stone side tonight. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 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 And I'm not trying to make light of anybody's plight. And I'm not up here trying to just rhyme. Because just some folks think because it rhymes, it's right. Praise God. But I'm just telling you right now, I'm not here to make light of anything serious. But you got Californians last several months. Everybody want to go to Texas. Texas frees over everybody praising God for California. You're, you're wishy-washy. Amen. It ain't about who has the nicest weather. It's not about who's doing good. It's not about the state that mandates that masks can be taken off now. That, that's not what this is all about. Folks, this is about being in touch with Jesus Christ and knowing what he has told you to do and knowing what your mission and your purpose in life is. Hey, I got news for you. Even, even if, listen, we're, 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 we got a Jonah complex, praise God, where we're trying to determine where the mercy flows best and we're telling God, Amen. Hallelujah. How sick he should be of Nineveh. Meanwhile, God's trying to tell us how sick we should be of ourselves. Praise God. I'm telling you, at some point, somebody has to stand flat-footed and tell Nineveh these precious words. You must repent. Praise God. And I got news for you. Even if half of Pentecost leaves California, I pray to God that there's some red-blooded apostolics, amen, who may not even own much, but they're willing to stand flat-footed in the face of all craziness, amen, and tell somebody that they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I pray that there's some red-blooded apostolics that hold down the fort, that let the center hold, praise God, and keep preaching Jesus, even in the face of wackiness and craziness. Come on, somebody. Oh, Jesus. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands and pray. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I like what old Solomon said, the eyes of the fool are at the ends of the earth. We are not migratory people. He leadeth me to green pastures. I don't just fly because it's winter. I don't just go east because it's summer. Praise God. And I don't spend my time here looking over there. I spend my time here, here. And when it's time to go, I hope God surprises me. Because I'm so focused on what I'm doing right here. And the only question any of us need to be asking ourselves tonight is will I defend 
I think too many of us have made the mistake. You know, Christians are not supposed to be combative, but we are to defend. We're not to, we're not to go around picking fights and attacking folk. But we've taken that to mean that we should not defend anything with ardency and fervor and passion. Amen. And we've, we've misinterpreted. Let me just tell you something. Jesus might let you whip him. Jesus might let you put a crown of, head, a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus would let you nail him to a cross. But Jesus would not let you shut him up and from saying what he got to say. Because, come on somebody, I'm preaching better than you might think. Praise God. I'm telling you, as he hung on that cross, beaten, bloody, and bruised, he was still preaching to them. He was still quoting the psalm. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Amen. He was still trying to get through to those hard-headed Jews exactly who Messiah was. He was still giving them a good old-fashioned Bible study as he stood, hallelujah, eyes shot from Jerusalem, amen, telling them, you're, 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 you're crucifying him who one day you will see and ask how he got those piercings in his hand. I'm telling you right now, you ought to go down talking your talk. You ought to, amen, it doesn't matter if it's all burning. It doesn't matter if it's all going down. It doesn't matter if five out of your seven family members got COVID. Keep on talking. Keep on teaching. Keep on preaching. Keep on praying. Keep on fasting. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on wearing your skirt. Amen. Keep on being modest. Keep on being holy. Keep on being what you are. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is the time. Amen. Where you find out where you really believe. This is the time. Amen. Where you really get something in your gut. This is the time where you really find out just what kind of saint you are. This is the time where we really come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Can we raise our hands? I still got some things to preach to you. Praise God. But there's a move of God here. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor, what am I supposed to defend? Number one, your commitment to God. Amen. You, you're going to get to hear this twice. But as soon as Elder Buxton's done preaching, I'm coming back in a few Sundays and I'm going to preach to you Saturday. Let me just tell you something. When you got a commitment to God, there's just a way you live on Saturday. There's just a way you live on Saturday. Now I, as the full-time pastor of this church, I shut down right around 4 or 5 o'clock on Saturday. So please, I love you, I love your kids, but I'm not going to your party because it's Saturday. And, I, I, and if no one else comes ready for church on Sunday, I got to be here ready for church on Sunday. And there's just the way we all got to live come Saturday. And even if it is your birthday, and even if it is your anniversary, and even if it is your special day, praise God. And, and it seems like some folks got special day every week, praise God. But I'm just telling you, there's just a way that all of us, amen, should, there's, come Saturday night, praise God, there's just the mindset that we should all start getting ourselves into. Amen. 
hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. If you're having trouble getting you and the kids here on time, then it's Saturday where you should be getting those clothes ready. It's I've, And if you think I'm preaching to you to rag on you, you are mistaken. Praise God. I am telling you, I have told my wife several times, sweetheart, if we can't get the kids ready on Sunday, if the, if, if, then we got to do it Saturday because there's just a, we got to come ready to defend. Praise God. And I, I'm, I'm, I am telling you right now that the spiritual lifeline to Sunday morning starts Saturday afternoon. Praise God. And there's just a certain mindset you got to have come Saturday. Praise God. Preacher, saint, usher, musician, sound guy, preacher, saint, kids, everybody come Saturday night. Praise God. We ought to already be talking. We are, we ought to be hyping up Sunday. Amen. Come Saturday night. Praise God. Come on. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not trying to take your Saturday away. Praise God. I assume full responsibility to be the most devoted person in this church. That is my job. Praise God. But you have a God who saved you, who you should be committed to, who you should be devoted to. Amen. Hallelujah. There should be something in your heart that says, I thank God for Saturday. I thank God so much for my Saturdays. Praise God that I'm going to get ready for Sunday on my Saturdays. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. I am going to protect my church attendance. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect it. Because I'm telling you, this pandemic has hurt a lot of us. And I'm not ragging on nobody. Trust me, I'm not. But I, I have to be very frank and honest with you. Some of us know that our attendance has gone down. We're nowhere near as attendant as we used to be. And I am, I am afraid that as the pandemic goes away, our absentees won't. It is sad to think that God has caught us. Caught us. We're no different in some cases than the guy who kept taking painkillers after the back pain was gone. And we're just revealing that we're pleasure-oriented. You don't know how hard it is for me to get to church. I do know how hard it is for you to get to church. Because it's just as hard for everybody else to get to church. Praise God. You're not the only one with the struggle. You're not the only one with the child. And, and, and you know the thing that is going to put all of us to shame, pastor included, will be that when we die, we're going to be standing right next to somebody that did a whole lot better under a lot worse circumstances. And you're going to be standing a brother and sister so-and-so from third world country so-and-so that out-churched you, out-attended you, and out-gave you. Well, you don't know how much I gave. I'm telling you their penny. Their widow's might. This ain't a numbers game. I'm telling you, it scares me that when I get to heaven and think I expect a little bit more praise from Jesus, somebody's going to come down. The Bible says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You understand? You, you understand that's court talk. There's the plaintiff, the defendant, the witness. They have nothing against you. They're just there to tell what they have seen and heard. 
And they're just going to let you know you can get to church on time with five, six, eight kids. And you with your one are complaining. You can get to church with arthritis. You can give. Even when you don't have enough to get by on. I'm telling you, we think God's playing with us. God's not playing with me. God's not playing with you. God's not playing with our families. God's not playing with this country. God's not playing with the apostolic movement. Praise God. He expects a lot of us. He expects a lot from us. To whom much has been given. You understand? You have two testaments. Amen. Half of our Christian ancestors didn't even have that. Praise God. Amen. You, you, you live in the most wealthy period of human history praise god i am telling you right now amen we are doing less with more praise god we 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 we've got to we've got to defend our commitment to god it, it, we we have got to quit being afraid of being called radical and fanatical we have got to quit being afraid of being made fun of we have got to quit being made we have got to you know i'm telling you when they come in the camp they poke and prod at everything Y'all, y'all, y'all don't have to preach with me. I don't, I could preach to these eight chairs right here. Praise God. We'll do just fine. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you right now, the spirits in the camps and the Israelites must defend. We must defend our commitment. We must defend our devotion. Read your Bible. Read. Everyone say that together. Read your Bible. Thank you. <laughs> Daily. Daily. You know, Jesus said, we, 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 we don't always quote the whole verse. Jesus said, lest a man carry his cross and follow me daily. That's the part nobody talk about. Everybody stop and follow me. And then that's why you got folks to follow Every six months and then take off for three. You got them summer sinners. Every time June roll around, they disappear. Catch them in Hawaii, half dressed. Half dressed, half devoted, half lost. Looking for every excuse. To take a 10-year vacation. Some folks go on vacation, come back, never stop vacation. Hey, you ain't never met a pastor that wants you to take a vacation more than me. You ain't never met a pastor that wants you to go to the Bahamas, to Bali. Praise God. I, I'm telling you, I want you to have your Instagram moment. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I pray you have enough commitment and devotion that, no, that when you're in Bali, you're still reading the Bible. Praise God. And if your vacation only allows you to go to Bakersfield, then read the Bible. Praise God. But I'm telling you, whether you're in Bali or Bakersfield, you ought to be praying. And whether you're in Bali or Bakersfield, you ought to be reading your Bible. Amen. Don't, don't leave the Bible at the house. I'm, you know what? You want to make me mad? Leave your Bible here at church. 
I'm telling you, just leave it right here. Praise God. Don't do that. Take your Bible with you. Take that thing home. I get, I'm, come on, somebody, help me preach. The last place, you, you know, I know this sounds funny. The last place we should find Bibles is here. Praise God. The only place there should be Bibles here, praise God, is in my office. Praise God, where we collect them. Praise God. But other than that, there should not be a Bible left on these chairs. Praise God. And don't let that be an excuse to stop coming with your Bible. Bring your paper, leatherback Bible to church. Praise God. Somebody say amen. I'm, it's getting quiet in here. Somebody's wondering where I'm going to stop. I'll stop where I feel to stop. Praise God. We got to defend the center. We got to defend the center. Jesus is not at the center. He is the center. I'm going to make you a promise on the word of God. If it burns, if it all burns as you defend the center, you'll get it back and then some. If you lose friends, you'll get better ones. If you lose a boyfriend, a girlfriend, you'll get a better one. If you lose a house, you'll get a better one. If you lose a car, you'll get a better one. Some of y'all don't believe me. Some of you are still lamenting the car you used to have, the house you used to have. The nice dress you used to have, the pumps you used to have, the Air Maxes you used to have, the collector item, fill in the blank you used to have. Gave it all away. Commission Sunday. Wondering what you were thinking. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be very honest with you. You get, your, you get your commitment adjusted. There's always a period of brokenness. There will always be this period of lack. And, 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 and scarcity. There will be this moment where you just don't have enough regardless of your income regard you you just won't have enough to buy the things you want you won't have enough to put away in your savings your retirement your home fund whatever as, as, like you want to and that's where you got to really watch your attitude you can't you can't like go into grieving you have to keep your chin up Sister, you got to keep your, your, your shoulders squared, man. And if you cry with one eye, leave the other one open. And you got to scan the landscape, trusting and knowing that God, that God is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. And whatever you do. You know there are people that have come here. To, to keep their. To defend their walk with God. There are people that are here. To def, that, have, that, have had, that have 
landed at East Bay Bible Fellowship in defense of their love for Jesus. And there's a certain, there's a certain buffeting that goes on in that process. But if you'll just, if you'll just stand and keep loving and don't accuse God and don't get angry with God and don't get angry at your husband and don't get angry at your wife and and don't get angry with your kids and don't get angry at the president. But look unto heaven. David said it, I look into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. You know, a lot of times it is, we don't understand what that means. We think that David's like looking out into a grassy meadow, you know, looks like Ireland. And he's like, man, God's like a mountain that helps people. That's not what he's saying. In the days of David, soldiers looked to the hills because that's, that's where, the, that's where the, 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 the help came from. Their backup. That's where the homies rolled through. That's where the reinforcements came from. And David said, I'm not even looking to that. My help cometh from the Lord. He may, he may send the reinforcements. He may not. But if I have him, me and him are an army. And if I have him, amen, I will be rewarded. And if I have him, the reward won't only be on this earth, but in the life to come. And if I have him, I have everything that I need. Let's all stand to our feet. Oh, let's raise our hands and defend the center. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus.